look at yourself. You go from girl to girl, and that makes anyone who'd even consider a relationship with you afraid. Afraid of what? Of getting hurt. Every girl thinks you'll eventually get bored and move on. Wow. They know. <laughs> when the spawn is What up, bros? What up, bros? And welcome to Bruh Meets World. What is Bruh Meets World? Your boy Meets World Fancast, episode 61. Ayo. I'm Siege. And I'm your boy, T.C. And we're back. We are a little bit late, sorry about that, but you know. It's it's a podcast. Those in the future wouldn't have even known this. <laughs> also, it's a holiday weekend, and I think it's you know what a little ridiculous that you guys are expecting this. <laughs> Truthfully, I did have fun this weekend. What? We went out. We yeah. did some things. We no, it was just honestly we just had an LA adventure that we very rarely do. Also, uh, a place called Break Room eighty six. It's 80s music, it is a speakeasy, and it is just really good times. I think you would enjoy it. That sounds that sounds wonderful. Okay. I uh, took uh, my girlfriend and my golden retriever to Santa Barbara and just walked around and bar hopped. And I've it was, never been to Santa Barbara, so... It's an adorable weekend, Aww. I gotta say. Uh, so you went uh, nice and I went ratchet. There you go. We'll, <laughs> we'll switch hats sometimes. Yeah, I love it. Um, this episode, are you ready to get into it? Well, a hundred percent I'm ready to get into this episode, because not only does it represent just everything that we've been saying is wrong with this show, like like addressing it, but also like my childhood crushes in this episode. So. I have a lot to say, because of watching this episode, I feel like it is both everything that's great about Boy Meets World and a lot that's wrong. You're like, you're doing great things. Oh, I really wish you hadn't said it that way. Yes. <laughs> yes. Totally. I love the lesson. Ugh, I hate the delivery. So yeah. I, I think we're going to Or get just that. like, hey, we're going to like make this statement. But then like in the following episodes, just kind of be like, oh. I mean, it's, it's a lot, a lot to get into. Yeah. So let's get into it um, by going into our Tell Me About It. Tell me about it. Tell me all about the show. Season 3, episode 15, A Heart is a Lonely Hunter. Sean's bad boy image cost him a date with nice girl Dana Pruitt, so he recruits Corey to teach him how to be boyfriend material. In a B storyline, Eric tries to land an internship at a local TV station. Okay, so actually, usually I'm like, oh, let's just get through the B storyline. But the B storyline, I would say, is equally important. I would say that the B storyline is maybe more important only because of the episode that follows. <laughs> well, you mean like it's lasting impact? A hundred percent. Because but this this story that we see with Sean, as amazing as it is in this episode, at least I believe it to be, mm -hmm. um... They're building a relationship that has no future. And they, like, almost immediately in the next episode are like, oh, we take this whole thing back. Well, you know, I mean, I feel like we're going a little ahead of ourselves. I know, so, I know. Like, I'm sorry. But it's hard to distinguish, like, these two episodes from each other. Because they. this is the first time that we're seeing both the A and B storyline continue into the next episode. That's a very good point. I like that you pointed that out. I just think that, A, you know, we, we still want to, like, give this episode its weight and its due. But also, this episode, it again, it extends Sean's character yeah. in a way. Like, 
Corey, again, the boy in Boy Meets World, usually is completely background. So much background that they just kind of have him basically juggling and being like, you know, this comedic relief in the um, in many scenes. So, what I love about uh, this episode is that Sean, where he would typically only get Corey's input, mm-hmm. is getting input from everyone. Absolutely everyone. Again, and I like the way that we do this. So I, I guess what I will say is, do you want to start with A storyline or start with B storyline? Why don't we just start with the roll call? Let's go into roll call. <laughs> uh, yeah, our roll call is the people who are new to this episode. We get uh, Dana Pruitt, played by Larissa Alink. Olenek? Larissa Olenek. Olenek. So sorry. (laughs) Um, As you know, CJ, as I've mentioned before, Larissa Olenek is a childhood crush I've had from Nickelodeon's The Avengers of Alex Alex Mack. Very true. The Secret World of Alex Mack, excuse me. Yep. Um, Which I still think is such a baller-ass show. And I don't know why Nickelodeon is (laughs) sitting on this property, because it's everything that they would want out of a series, but whatever. Um... I just thought she was very captivating as a child, uh, when I was a child and she was a child. We were both children with this crush on her, <laughs> just to be clear. Um, and no, I, it was just nice to see her do something outside of Nickelodeon, and I thought that she fit in really well to the cast of the show. And as a kid, I was kind of hoping that she would have more of an episode arc than she ends up having, but... Um, I mean, but she still, she sticks around. Yeah. I mean, and, again, like, we, we really shouldn't be getting into everything about this but she does she does yeah. some stuff um and but i was just i i really like the challenge that she poses to sean and i think that sean is being confronted with something that we've been kind of mentioning not only as a sean problem but a boy meets world problem yep. as far as the treatment of women and it's it's almost the show kind of self-correcting i hope um self-correcting in its way of like yes yeah, sean's been treating these women like this but we as the show have also been treating women like this so i can't wait to really get into this um and then also if i'm not mistaken Alyssa is um hold on one second i just need to check something yeah so she's also uh she was just one of those actors who was in a lot of 90s things yeah um she did a, like a stint on third rock from the sun third rock from the sun as Alyssa, i think is what her character's oh, name mm. was basically the person who dated joseph gordon levitt yes. um which also they have a connection in 10 things i hate about you yes so she is just one of those faces that if you were a 90s kid you grew up with and the moment they had her you were like oh it's really great but unlike previous um stars they're using her in a way that we usually don't use those female guest stars like we know that they're going to be great but usually they like come in they have their episode and they leave it's funny because i feel like larissa olenic is one of those actresses that had she had social media been a thing in the 90s she would have blown up a little bit more than she did yeah exactly she kind of reminds me of the girl who plays um Betty in Riverdale. Okay. Like, like I think it's like Lily something or mm. Lily or something like that. But anyway, she reminds me of her in the sense that she is cast as the good girl or like the pretty blonde that all the boys want to date a lot in the 90s. Like, yeah. that is her character. Um, she, uh, to me, is symbolic of this, this, this thing that happened in the early 90s where these actors were... Um, 
the product of their time. Like they unfortunately were coming up at Nickelodeon in a time when adults weren't taking Nickelodeon seriously. Absolutely. So like the entire cast of all that, a lot of these Are You Afraid of the Dark guest appearances have some really great actors in it. We, I mean, Clarissa explains it all. Like there was a lot of great talent that came from Nickelodeon and I think Larissa Elenik was one of those. She just didn't get to branch out because at that time there wasn't really an avenue for that. Yet. We didn't really take children actors Seriously. Actors, yeah. seriously. So, yeah. yeah. Uh, but, yeah, uh, Lily Reinhardt is who I was thinking of. Oh, so, yeah. yeah. Um, okay, who, by the way, completely side tangent, was in Hustlers with Jennifer Lopez. Yeah. 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 So, um, anyway, so uh, we also get Danny Strong as Arthur. Yes. I love Danny Strong. Uh, I love him mostly because he's he plays uh, bit characters on a lot of shows as well, but he also did so... Both in the 2000s and, like, even now, he just gets bit parts and things. He was on Mad Men, but I knew him as Doyle on Gilmore Girls. And when I met him in person in New York, oh. he is one of the very few celebrities I actually approached. How about that? <laughs> to be okay. like, you're on Gilmore Girls, I love you. So... <laughs> I believe that he is the third cast member of Buffy the Vampire Slayer to appear in the season. Ooh. So, like, are they, like, just filming, like, a block no, away on I the No, I don't think that <laughs> the show was even in production yet. I just think ah. it just so happened that with Charisma Carpenter and there was another one, uh, Julie Benz, where they had these uh, Buffy crossovers. Yeah, but again, like, this is at a time where we're pretty much pulling from the same pool of people. Yeah, totally. Um, and then we get Brandon Maggart, who plays Pat Darby, station manager. Um... I don't really recognize him at all. I kind of felt that he was, like, his face or voice felt recognizable, but um, I don't really know if he, like, did anything notable. I just remember, like, seeing his, hearing his voice and seeing his face, and maybe just the trope of station manager, he sure. fits really well. Um, but yeah, that's, that's how I felt about him. Um, I, I have to say that even as a kid, I drew parallels to him, the way he, uh, Eric gets a job yeah. here is very similar to the way um, Robin Williams gets a job in Mrs. Doubtfire at the station. Oh my where God. he's just kind of like just having a casual thing with the guy, not realizing <laughs> that they're really important. And it's like, oh yeah, you, you, we'll, we'll get you a job or something like that. Yeah, just, again, I, so it reminded me of our favorite subject, white privilege. <laughs> <laughs> where I was like, oh yeah. White privilege. <laughs> white male privilege, to be mm. uh, specific. Where it's like, hey, these other people are qualified. And don't get me wrong, Arthur's there and he's also qualified and doing what they can. But it doesn't really matter because you just had a certain something that the... TV station manager connected with, and, uh, you know, you got what you got in. I mean, I'm not saying that you shouldn't do that. I'm just saying we all know who Eric is and the fact that he got the internship. Well, let's, <laughs> let's jump into the story, because I have a lot of things to say about both storylines. Siege, I'm going to let you choose which one we go into first. All right, so just because we're here, let's do uh, Eric, and okay. then we can really get into the meat and potatoes of Sean. I actually think that... Eric's monologue that he gives to the station manager, Pat Darby. Pat Darby. I actually think that's Eric at his best. Absolutely. I know. I know it, there is this kind of eye roll of like, this is how he got this job for real. But I think there is a sincerity to Eric that makes him more approachable and likable. And I trust Eric over someone more like the other kids. So. No, I'm not gonna lie. I think I think that Eric's speech is phenomenal. I think that it's 
sincere and that's why it connects and there is something about the fact there is something that television likes to do where eric is just not only talking to who he thinks is the janitor but helping you know he's he's showing that he's not above um any like he's not above any job yeah he's really excited just to be here well and i think you also get that glimpse of this is the same guy who like helped his dad clean up the store you know what i mean like he's not he he's down to earth he's blue collar yeah exactly um okay the one thing i have the issue i have with this is there's a few things (laughs) uh why would uh anyone recommend him for an internship when he can't handle his actual school load well again if you remember because i wrote this down and i loved this whole the entry how we get here is eric's like hey i'm ready to turn it around and uh eli's like all right what what excuses did you got i love this this part and he's like no i'm really trying to do better is there anything i can do and jonathan is like hey is, what about that internship? And Eli's like, dude, what are you doing? You know, it's like that thing where it's like, Eli is not going to offer it to him at all, but now he's kind of put on the spot because Jonathan just straight up told Eric yeah. about it. And he's like kind of pushing for him. And he's like, he can't do better if he's not given the opportunity. And again, Eli, a black man, is just like, that's not how the, you know, it's like, yeah. I get it. But Eric is a white man who honestly didn't do any of the work that was leading up to it. He's asking for a handout. And there are people who are actually doing the active work to get this internship who would be better suited for it. However, uh, they have a little television, you know, industry joke there where it's like when Eli's like, uh, he's not prepared. He doesn't have anything really going for him in this position. Turner's like, it's television, man. And he's like, yeah, I mean, yeah, you're right. <laughs> it's uh, it's very interesting the the journey that Eric goes on from, hey, please let me do this thing that will help me get into college to fuck college. Yeah, again, you were going up ahead. <laughs> it's so hard to not. I'm like, it really isn't. Just uh, stop after right, you got the right. job. <laughs> so he gets the job, but. It's it's uh I guess it's interesting to see that that's the origin of this story is him wanting to get college credits or like oh, oh and and into college yeah absolutely and he actually goes on in his like talk at the end to be like those other guys just want something they could put on the college resume but I actually want this but it was like the beginning of this episode was you wanting something to put on the college resume yeah but I think it was something to put on a college resume but when he found out it was at like an actual TV station you did see. Like, they don't address it, but you do see genuine passion in Eric's eyes. And I think that's what we're we're going with. Again, as much as I make fun of him for it, we, as the audience, we know how much Eric loves to be on television. And love, like, like, just really does feel that the medium is noteworthy and influential. And I think that it's right to show, very much like Sean... When Eric gets passionate about something, he's dedicated. Yeah. Um, and I feel that what we're learning with both characters in this episode is that it's not that they're incapable. It's that they're never really challenged. Sure. Sure. I agree. Um, okay. So uh, is there anything else you want to say about this story? No, because everything is, is, is later with this. Yeah, yeah. The only thing I did want to say uh, was congratulations to Miss Cannon. Uh Head black bitch in charge. <laughs> I'm here doing interviews. She was not only funny. I liked her role. Again, we find out later that she's not really the top tier person, but she is hiring manager, and that's what uh, she came to do. So I thought that was fun. 
Yes, we did figure out who was actually in charge. It was a white man. <laughs> <laughs> and they made very clear to make sure that that was, uh... <laughs> that was known. Exactly. Uh, all right, so into the B storyline. Okay, so uh, this episode starts, I believe, with Sean and Larissa on a date at Chubby's. Yes, it does. And they're just making out. Yeah. And the the opening sequence just kind of, like, points at this uh, thing that Larissa Olenek realizes when she's on a date with Sean that, like... When it comes time to actually have a conversation about things, they don't actually have much in common. Exactly. Versus like, oh, I'm volunteering. You should help me. He's like, that's not really my thing. She's like, oh, do you like picnics? I love picnics. No, I don't really like to fuck with picnics. It's yeah. uh, And so it's it's this idea that uh, she brings up where she's like, oh, so you really only care about kissing. That's the really the only thing you, you like to do. And yeah, he's, like, he's well, bragging about it on his date. Yeah. <laughs> he's like, well, I got a lot of experience and I got a lot of research in it. And basically what this comes down to is the hunter reputation. Absolutely. In the previous episode where Corey dresses up like Sean and the grass is always greener, I think, or some shit like that. Yeah. Um, he dresses up like Sean to go to another school and he uses that reputation to like hook up with girls mm-hmm. um now we're seeing the other side of sean's reputation the side that he shouldn't be proud of the side that Corey wouldn't want to accept and i just thought that was very interesting uh i love it and i'm glad i let you uh bring it up because that's exactly what i was gonna say what i like about this episode is we've never seen or they've never really acknowledged the downside of sean's appeal to women mm-hmm. not only like in the show and how it affects women, but also just for Sean himself. It's always seen as a superpower, a kind of thing. And like you said, the reputation opens doors. But I like that we are examining what that reputation actually does for an individual and what happens um, when someone who has that charm and um, kind of ladies' man M.O., what happens when they are ready to settle down? And and it's like, yeah, you can't just ignore that past all of a sudden. You know, you have to really deal with the world that you set up. And I'm really, really excited that we did this in a kid's show because I'm thinking about it. We often do it with the ladies' man. It, it eventually becomes a thing. I know they do it in How I Met Your Mother. They do it in Friends, you know, with Barney and Joey. Each one of them eventually is just like, oh, I've been a ladies' man for so long, but now I'm really looking to settle down. Sure. But to address it in high school... I thought that was really exceptional. Um, what did you think about this idea that there are nice girls and then there are fast, flashy girls? And I... that there's like, like one you ha- is worth more than the other based on like standards. And I don't know. I just, I wanted to just dissect that with you. I'm so glad you brought that up because that is one of the first things that I wanted to talk about is this whole idea, it will be one of my bra moments, nice girls and what it means to be a nice girls and then fast girls. And the idea that they're even using the term fast, I was like, whoa. Because if (laughs) fast is bad, then slow is good, which means we're talking about virgins versus those who are sexually active. Sexually, I mean, like, maybe even if it's not uh, sexually active, they're definitely 
there's touching going on. You know what I mean? Basically, girls with hormones versus girls who haven't exactly. gotten their hormones. Girls who are <laughs> girls who are allowed to express themselves and girls who uh, have accepted the patriarchy on top of them. <laughs> this I just found so interesting because they allude to this throughout the entire episode where they're like, well... Even Corey's like, she actually seems like a girl who would end up with me more and drawing these hard lines between who Corey and Sean are, even. Corey starts off this episode, one of the first things we get from him is that a nice girl can ruin Sean's reputation. Yeah. And it's just like, wait, what? What do you even mean by that? Like, a nice girl can ruin his ladies' man appeal, and what would that do? And it's it's just really interesting that there is kind of this schoolyard politics um, thing going on in the background that we don't really address, but it's still acknowledged. And just the fact that there is, of course, social currency be at, it, at work here. And I also just love how you see this frustration from Corey where he's like, bruh, the girls who I get to go out with are not putting out. They're not doing anything. I'm not even kissing girls on dates. Like, I would kill to be on fucking your <laughs> finger bang fest that you do every weekend. Like, he is so, like, repressed. And you can see him, like, express that clearly to Sean. But, again, I think what this episode brings up and of course, it doesn't do so intentionally, but watching it in 2019, it's one of those things where Corey is that that guy who thinks he's a nice guy, who says he's a nice guy, but he's actually kind of some of the worst. Yeah. Because the whole idea, he's, he's just like, oh, um, I only get the nice girls. They only come to me to, sorry, they only come to me to get to you. However, I like, I couldn't get one of these really fast, sexy, flashy women. I've never dated one of those. And again, Topanga's just walking by just like, she has to hear that. And hear that Corey doesn't find her sexy, doesn't find her flashy or fun because she didn't put out. <laughs> it, it's just, it's really just interesting that distinction, that distinction that there are some girls that are better than other girls inherently. And it has to do with your willingness to wait. And also like, Larissa Olenek is very conservative in her mm -hmm. appearance, whereas the other girls are wearing leather jackets. Exactly. Dear God. Exactly. They're exposing belly buttons. They're doing all this this, this quote-unquote slut-like behavior. And again, it's interesting. Of course, we don't get into this, as I said, but there's not... This episode is about how Sean's reputation is affected, but only amongst the other girls. Yeah. You know what I mean? And we've kind of hit on it before with Boy Meets World in terms of how boys get elevated and girls get uh, weighed down by these reputations. But in general, no one thinks twice other than the girls about how Sean is the common thread throughout all of the other quote-unquote fast girls yeah. but the one who held out she's the nice girl she's the the two who we mm -hmm. see uh dana and topanga are ones who just didn't go all the way with sean and that's what makes them nice girls and i also like i want to acknowledge that even the teachers and topanga like the other women in the story say Oh, like, Topanga's like, I'm proud to be a nice girl. I'm proud to have a nice girl reputation. Um, which, again, is not really her fault, but it just says a lot. Um, I, I hate to, to sidetrack for, for just a moment, but did, how much of Wonder Years do you remember seeing ever? Uh, again, it's one of those shows where it's like, I watched all of it, but I don't remember specifics. Because one of the things about Wonder Years, which I give them a lot more credit for than Boy Meets World, is 
how girls behaved in these situations because on Wonder Years, Kevin would date a girl for a few episodes, they would go away, and there was never any of this, like, there would be making out, and it would just seem like this thing that kids just did. Yeah. It wasn't this thing to where, like, some, like, the good kids didn't do it, but the bad kids did, and I just, I felt like that was so interesting that even in the 90s, like, this is something that's being, I don't know, thought of as a, as a norm. Well, I mean, like, even, it's, it's... It's, uh, again, there's this conservative, like, love for the conservative and almost infantizing of, um, the, the nice girl because, uh, what is it? Dana does the, the little hearts over her eyes and stuff yeah, like that. And he's like, oh my God, I love that. And he's like, who doesn't? And it's just this thing of branding these girls as too innocent and too pure it to feels, be bothered with hormones. It feels <laughs> like uh, like Zuko falling for a Sandy D. Like yes. and and but what I do think is very interesting is the point that Turner brings up, which is when he tells Sean, like, hey, the people that you really care about are not flashy people. They're people who are sincere and they're people you can communicate with and be yeah. friends with. And Sean's like, oh, girls want that too. And he <laughs> Turner's like, yeah, they do. So I think there is a moment where Sean, um, you know, his his understanding of women does evolve if ever briefly. Yeah. Um, in a way that I think is is handled well. Well, no, yeah, again, I, I want to make sure that we're giving credit to the episode and the fact that it does have Sean, specifically in this el uh, episode, grow. Um, and they do, everything about Sean is put under a microscope, and it's really examined. And, and it doesn't just do that and leave him out to dry. It gives him a solution. And it, sh it, it has a one-to-one -one comparison. Like, I love the conversation where Turner's like, you already have... You've already proven that you can be committed. You've already proven that you can be in a healthy relationship. Yeah. And Sean's like, who? And he's like, Corey. Like, like, yeah. and which which comes to be the defining relationship of this series. Sure. Corey and Sean. And he's like, that is your proof that you are capable of being committed and investing in someone. You just didn't know you could do it with girls. One of the things, and I, I think this just kind of touches on something we're both feeling about this episode, um, is that I really love it when someone other than Sean gets to be the boy in Boy Meets World. Yeah, absolutely. I love you it. Mean, other than Corey. Other, yeah, someone other than Corey. Because both Sean and Eric kind of yeah. take that, that role in this episode where they are learning from various people in their lives. And it really is the world because it's everyone in Sean's life from Topanga to Larissa Olenek to mm -hmm. Corey to... Corey's parents, the Turner, like, everyone is chiming in and giving him something that he can learn from. Um, and I think that's, a, a, one of the things I love about this is that we've already set up this community in Boy Meets World. So it's interesting when you see all of the members of the community working together to help someone learn something. Absolutely. Um, there are three segments that I want to talk about next. Um, I really do want to go back into how Corey and Sean are in this episode because I just think that I really love to explore the dynamic and the fact that we show men and male relationships being significant. Sure. And, and you know, like, as you said, that's Turner's kind of basis. He's like, work from that. I want to go back to that. And then I want to hit on um, Topanga's going in on Absolutely, Sean. Her read bro. on Sean. Absolutely. <laughs> I have it. I wrote and it down. then And then um, the... Um, 
the segment with Feeney, where it's kind of a boys versus girls debate. Sure. So, sure, uh, sure. all right. So, going back again, a little with Corey and Sean. I will say that Corey, this episode, felt kind of like Ted from uh, How I Met Your Mother, or like he just felt like weird and needy, but like, and there's so many similarities between Corey and Ted. Yes. And and it seems like again Corey, who's always been the nice guy, again quote unquote, it just seems to be, especially in his behavior this episode, it seems to be a role he's always playing, mm-hmm. and that he's assigned, and that he doesn't really earn, but because he has it, the audience gives it to him, and he leans into it. So it's not that Corey doesn't have these desi- the same desires as Sean. It's not that Corey is incapable of being sneaky or, you know, he- lying or anything of these other things or sexual. He just feels like he doesn't have the opportunity. And because he feels like he doesn't have the opportunity, he just kind of gets by on being a nice guy, even though we hear him actively say, if I had the chance, I would do things differently. Uh, well, if and if you mean do things differently, you mean <laughs> hooking up with the fast girls. Exactly. That's very clear in this episode. <laughs> Corey is looking for an opportunity to bang a leather jacket chick. Yeah, absolutely. So there's that. Um, and then there is, I will say, there is something about his relationship with Sean during this moment in his life, both of their lives, because... Sean is trying to grapple with liking a girl for the very first time, and Corey is kind of single-man Corey for the first time. And there seems to be a a need for him to have Sean keep up and be that single best friend for him while he's going through this time of not being with Topanga. Sure, definitely. Um, I have Topanga's quote, if you don't mind me. Okay, yeah, let's go into it. Reading it. Um... Topanga, uh, when when Sean asked Topanga flat out why she wouldn't date him, her response goes something like, You don't understand women. You don't know what we are, you don't know how we feel, and you don't know what we think. You see us as dating objects, then the faster we are, the more you want us. And until you can grow up and see beyond that, no matter how many girls you go out with, you will always be lonely. Thoughts. Um, again, a read. <laughs> like, yeah. Topanga came in, and what's crazy is you felt like, the way she said it, and the way she just listed it off, this is something Topanga has been thinking about for a long time. She had it cocked and ready, but because Sean was Corey's friend, she never said anything. Yeah. But now that they're like, okay, and again, I, I love that she goes back to it. Okay, Corey, you're responsible for how he takes this. Yeah. Um, it's just like, I just want to make it very clear. Um, I love what Topanga said. And I, again, it was not only very accurate, but it was it was something that I felt he needed to hear. Sure, definitely. It was, it was one of those things to where apparently every, at least a lot of people have formed this opinion about Sean without anyone bothering to tell Sean about it. So I do think almost as Topanga being Sean's friend, it was kind of her obligation just to be like, look, this is what your reputation actually is. And I think it was one of those things where Sean got a full understanding of what the consequences of his actions are and how him kind of like getting bored with girls. He's like, Oh, they figured it out that I'm getting bored and moving on. Like, that shit just happening. Just that he had really <laughs> insightful moments about it, the way his behavior has affected women. I love, like, first of all, the whole idea of the faster we are, the more you want us. And, like, that whole speech that she has. And he goes, 
what are they afraid of? Oh, that's what she says. She says, they're afraid. Like, that's why they're not going to just take that chance. And he's like, what are they afraid of? He's like, that you'll get bored and move on. And Sean immediately answers, damn it, they know me. And it's like, A, I feel like it's a recognition for him. But B, I love that, again, we are bringing this up in a kid's show where it's like, oh, you want people to invest in you, but you have no intention of investing in them. And I know I tend to compare the show The Saved by the Bell a lot. I don't yeah. know if that's a fair comparison, eh. but in in the sense of just like seeing high school kids going through shenanigans in a classroom setting, um, that seems to be the only comparison I can really make. And the way that Zach approaches women throughout that show is never addressed from this like greater perspective of overlasting consequences like it's he's never has that moment where he's like wow like i really can see how and he might have it once an episode but it's very fake and yeah. he moves on the next episode he's on to it again so it's just it's nice to see them having this moment where they're like no we're gonna tackle this issue the way adults would the thing i like about um everything that topanga says is it's very relevant even in today's society um maybe more so because we kind of have this infantized dating pool like you and i are both in relationships but nonetheless we still know how people are we you know dated recently and there is this idea especially in la um i don't i can't speak for everyone but i do know for a fact it's in the gay community as well this idea of um eventually you'll get bored and leave like they you Sean has so many options, and that's kind of one of his downfalls. Unlike Corey, who we've spoken about, who once he has a connection with Topanga, kind of hunkers down because, as he's expressed, he doesn't get just it all kind of access to women. Uh, Sean does. And so Sean says, I'll get bored and another one will come along. And that's just kind of how I, I see things. And I think that that's very relative to today's dating pool, where people just they're very much like Sean, where they're like, I'm lonely and I really want someone. And you're like, all right, cool. Are you going to invest? And like, nah, probably not. Yeah. <laughs> it's like, well, you can't get someone to invest in you if you're not willing to invest in them. And I think even more people have the same kind of narrative that Sean has, which is that, well, why won't anyone give me a chance? Or I don't know. I've never been shown. It's like, you know how to be a, a decent person if you have good friends and if you have a support system then you've invested and you've shown that you're capable of it. You just don't think that it's capable in your dating prospects, so you never try. I think that, um, and with that, going back to the Boy Meets World episode, the, one of the important things that Sean says is that, you know, Dana comes to him at the end when they're, he's outside for the picnic thing, and she's like, you know, I'm scared. And he says, I'm scared too. I love that He's line. scared too because the reason why is that he understands, he's always known that the girls that he dates aren't girls that he can see himself falling for. They're safe for him because he doesn't have to worry about getting hurt himself. So by, you know, taking a chance, throwing himself out there to a girl who's rejected him already, you know, doing a grand romantic gesture, something that Sean would never do before. Um, all of this is scary for him in the way that can only, uh, you know, help him evolve as a man and in his perspective of dating and women. Like, all of this is just so well done. Absolutely. He says a line that literally just, like, knocked me off my feet. When he was like, I'm afraid of you, and I just like you, not even love. Yeah. So it's scary, and it's like, holy... that's A, that's vulnerability in a way that you just don't see on television from a guy that's not, like, 
soapy or you know it's not like this whole thing but also that is how i feel a lot of people feel it's just like i just like you and it's this hard so i can't imagine actually being in love with you i do have to say that these kids do such a great job of showing like what someone in their age group like how they actually are um how can i say this like, it does such a great job of showing the way that, like, kids love each other, our kids like mm-hmm. each other. It's not kids doing impressions of adults, which I think is what I we see a lot. Like, when I'm watching Stranger Things, I'm yeah. like, why are, they're 14, why are they acting like this? Like, it doesn't make sense to me. It's almost, or you're saying it's uh, it's parody of, like, an adult married relationship. Or just an adult dating relationship, even. Like, trying to bring that excitement to a younger setting in a way that doesn't feel realistic a lot of times is something that I feel like I encounter. Okay, okay. And and I just feel like this show does a very good job of making these relationships seem genuine and real. And, you know, it doesn't seem completely unrealistic for Sean to get a date with someone who's so much like Corey. Yeah, absolutely. Well, what I think is, um, specifically with Sean dating and being vulnerable, one of the things I wrote in my notes is that Sean only could have learned to be vulnerable with a girl who had rejected him. And while I don't like the idea and the narrative of a nice girl um, and, you know, her doing her part, it is clear that Sean needed something or someone who kind of interrupted, you know, or like shook things up. And that's what he, what, that's what made him realize, oh, if I want to be invested in someone, I have to make changes. Does Sean really like this girl? I think, here's the thing. I they think don't have anything in common. Very, but very similar to how you talked about um, these being kids. There are plenty of times when you're a kid and you're a teenager and you like someone, but you like them in a way that you can't quite put in words. Sure. And it's more than just their looks. It's like, no, you have something. There's something about you. And maybe it is, as you were saying, her, the way that she's similar to Corey or whatever. And yeah. it's just like, he sees with her that things are different and that he is challenged in a way. Yeah. And he likes that. He li- He's like, I never really cared before and I never really did these things before. And it's not that I like her because of all of the things that she has. I like her because she's challenging me to be someone that I've never had to think about before. Can I ask you this? Mm-hmm. Knowing what we know about Larissa Olenek's character, mm-hmm. how she is this good girl mm-hmm. and how she's not really like those other girls, we open to her on a date with Sean making out. Yeah. So what's that about? Well, well what they say is <laughs> she's she makes it clear. Remember, this is when we have the conversation of, well, Sean is not boyfriend material. Corey is. So once she sees, it's like she's on the date with Sean to just have fun. That's what I mean. She's trying to get her kicks too. Like I she's know, but no th- better but than the this thing kid. is, she's she's kind of clear in being one and done. You know what I mean? It's just like the. It's not that she doesn't make out with Sean. It's that she's not willing to be on call. She's not really willing to just be in his rotation. And, you and know that what? is the difference. Congratulations on this young girl who was <laughs> able to express clearly and communicate what relationship she wanted. She didn't just say yes to a date that she didn't want. She was very clear and like, I don't think we should see each other again. She, I want to say she left a date. Yeah. That, well, she was she like, was oh, un- there's there's nothing here. We I'm uncomfortable. I want to go, so I'm just going to go. Exactly. And, like I just feel like that's something that uh, um, maybe kids would be afraid to do. Well... 
I feel like some would be afraid to do, but it's just the kind of personality she has. I believe that it's, this is what she would do. And also, it seems, I like that the episode doesn't villainize her for it. It's just like, she does have this whole point of like, hey, I just your reputation is something I have to take into consideration. And seeing how much the girls' reputations are also talked about during this episode, I like that we have a girl character both in her and in Topanga, who are like, no, your reputations matter just as much as ours. Sure, sure. Um, so, uh, anything else for this episode? No, the only other thing I wanted to say is that uh, Topanga, not surprisingly, is getting a ton of fiber in her diet. I mean, three <laughs> bathroom visits and before lunch? Jesus, uh, I would give anything. <laughs> I think it's supposed to be implied that it's, again... She regular. <laughs> girls be gossiping is, is what we're dealing with here. Um, there's only two things I wanted to say. One is that um, this episode, again has Sean talk a lot about Chet and what he learned from his dad. And I think that that, again, is a key to why Sean is who he is. As I said earlier, Sean would only have learned this from a girl who rejected him because for him, his dad has kind of taught him who to be. And we, as much as I love Chet, Chet is not an ideal male mentor well it's also been what we've seen is sean being rewarded for acting out exactly and so this is the first time where someone's making him think about why he's doing what he's doing yeah okay and then the other part that i wanted to talk about is there's uh, a scene where feeney is teaching the class and they're doing jfk and marilyn sure, Monroe. Sure. and i was like why isn't eli teaching this like don't get me wrong feeney can but it just feels like the whole relationship of press and politicians Feels like something Eli should be in. Like it should be in Eli's department. Does Eli even work there anymore? <laughs> he does. Remember that's how. Oh yeah, 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 yeah. This is exactly how we got our B storyline with Eric. But it's like I just felt like they either needed to use Feeny, and that's why they did it. But it felt like a Eli conversation, and also the idea of um, the press and politicians and just. Again, reputation and, yeah, and how yeah. that I love the two different insights of the girls being like, Yeah, was he a good president? I don't know because a lot of people feel that his personal life affected his legacy. Well, now we're getting to the point can you separate the art from the artist? Ah, uh, like, which is one of your favorite subjects. Then, well, I'm just saying, <laughs> at what point do we draw the line? Exactly. All right, so let's wrap Michael will up. never be canceled. <laughs> We feel differently. Okay, uh, do you have a bread moment? Um, a bread moment in this episode. I mean, I'm sure there were moments where I didn't really care for, you know, yeah, it's going to have to be the good girls versus fast girls thing. I mean, that's really kind of the only moment where I was like, oh, wow, I don't like that. Yeah, there were, like, uh, I had to. There was uh, the nice girls versus fast girls. And again, like I wrote, even Topanga's like, I'm a nice girl. So it was like, I don't really like that we're using this. But uh, also there's a scene where uh, Eric is talking to um, Arthur. And Arthur he mentioned something about, like, Arthur in the locker room. And something like that. And I was just like, uh, that seems... I could get this job without wearing pants. And he's like, I've seen your dick, bro. Put your pants on. Exactly. And I was like, that doesn't... I don't... Yeah, yeah. okay. I don't need that. 
<laughs> so, uh, okay. Um, a Feeny taught me. Uh, Feeny taught me, I think, goes to Turner mm -hmm. when he teaches Sean that the people he cares most about are people that don't fit this template that he thinks he needs to use to find a partner. So I think just the, the whole thing that a lot of times we as people are attracted to, not even uh, uh, spouses, but even like friends, mm -hmm. like feel like, oh, they have a quality that I've seen maybe in television or movies or online that like seems like something I want in my life, but isn't true to who my friends and the people I care about actually are. Um, I, I just thought that was a good point to bring up. Yeah, I, I feel like it's very similar, but uh, there's just that scene with Sean when he's like, I'm afraid um, of you and just, I just like you and not even love. And so that's scary. I feel like that's really the point. The not only being vulnerable, but the idea of going from or leaning into your emotions, especially when it comes to dating, is a very scary thing. And yeah. you have to do it if you want to grow. I'm afraid of you. Of me? Yeah, and it's not even like I love you or anything. I just like you and want to be with you. I've, I've never felt that way about a girl before. And, you know, it, it, it scares me. Sure, 100%. Okay, um, what grade are you giving this? I'm giving this episode a B plus. Okay. Yeah, I think that, you know, I love Larissa Olenek. I love Sean's evolution in this. Um, I think the episode wasn't perfect, but for the most part, I like that they decided to teach this lesson. Yeah, absolutely. So, I'm going to give this episode an A. Oh, um, okay. But I'm going to give it an A because... There's a little bits in the background where, like I said, Corey and the whole sweater sure. and, and uh, glove mitten thing. I thought that was funny. I yeah. thought it was really great. I love Topanga's rant. I love our two storylines. And I feel like we use everyone um, just the right amount. Totally. Uh, including guest stars. Yeah. So uh, I'm really here for this episode. Yeah. It was really one of my favorites. Yeah. Okay. So, that being done, uh, just want to remind you guys before we get into homework to leave us a rating. Make sure you follow us on um, Spotify, iTunes, Stitcher, all of those places. Uh, remember, you can find us at Bro Meets World or email us at BroMeetsWorld at gmail.com. Now, on to the homework. What do you got? Okay, so me, you were talking about this before we started recording that <laughs> I'm really excited to see Shia LaBeouf's Honey Boy. I saw yes. the trailer for it. Yes. And it made me realize how many Shia LaBeouf like projects I liked growing up so I'm gonna recommend two that I want people to check out um one being the movie version of Holes which I think is just an amazingly made <laughs> film from beginning to end a friend of mine met Zero and Jamie Foxx this weekend like it was like the weird like mashup but like the kid who plays Zero and Jamie Foxx were at this uh event and my friend was there and took a picture and I thought it was wow. really cool yeah that's crazy I met yeah. Jamie Foxx walking my dog but what I was just walking my dog and he was the by, by like he had the nicest car I'd ever seen and I was like walking my dog and I was just so busy looking at his car that I wasn't seeing he was like talking to this person on the side of the road and I walked by, my girlfriend's like, that was Jamie Foxx. And I was like, I just, I saw a Bentley that I had never <laughs> seen in my life, and it just captivated me. Anyways, I digress. Yeah. Um, and the other one is the movie Disturbia. Do you remember seeing Disturbia? Uh, yeah. Okay, so Disturbia is kind of like a modern take on Rear Window. And I honestly, I haven't seen it in a while, but it was one of those things that I remember really enjoying when it first came out. And I, I really had a lot of hopes of Shia LaBeouf 
uh, really reaching his acting potential, and I'm glad to see that that's kind of coming to fruition with Honey Boy. So, um, yeah, those are my recommendations. That's my homework. All right, cool. I, I actually like both of those. Um, I'm going to do a little homework, kind of a little bit late, but kind of like in the right amount of time. Um, I went to go see Dr. Sleep uh, Ooh, okay. this, this past weekend, and I have to say, and... I'll say this much. I liked it so much that I started reading The Shining. Wow. So I, too, have two homeworks where it's like uh, if you want to, uh, if you really liked The Shining or if you're a fan of Stephen King or anything like that, uh, I'm doing the audiobook, The Shining. I, I'm doing it right now. I'm actually having a really great time. And I'm someone who I will read a book after seeing the movie because I feel like it just fills in gaps and you sure. know it's, just, it's easier to do than the other way around the other way around where i'm just like you cut this out you cut this out you know I'm like i'm sure. so angry um so i'm doing i'm that. really surprised to hear that because i saw the dr sleep trailer and i didn't think much of it but it's good to know that it's i'll say this um this is my recommendation i don't know how anyone else feels about it but it it does the same thing that the shining does which is it has this very slow paced setting up the world Sure. But at first half where you're just like, oh, oh my God, when are we going to get to what I came here for? Sure. And I don't even know what I came here for because I haven't read Dr. Sleep yet, but yeah. I know I'm like, this isn't why I'm here. And then the moment it does get into that portion of the movie, I had a great time. Okay, cool. Um, and I don't, I just personally, I've been going to the movies lately, especially with all these sequels. And I'm like, do, did you fulfill why I came to the theater? And if you did, then that's all that really matters to me. And I feel like Dr. Sleep fulfilled why I came to the theater and it actually does a lot of really good retconning and um you know just elaborated on the story so that's that's a dope review okay that's all I can get from it <laughs> okay so uh thank you guys again for listening to Bra Meets World um as we said earlier remember to follow us do us on all the things you can find me on twitter at extra siege that's X-T-R-A-C-E-E-J uh, T-C. You can find me at the Braver Me at .braver.me on Instagram. And um, yeah, you can also find me doing our homework and signing up for Disney Plus, which is available tomorrow. Yeah. So by the time you're listening to this, make sure you have your Disney Plus accounts and meet us back next week. Yeah, where you can finish what you can continue watching season three of Boy Meets World with us. We are in our last stretch until we get to season four. Which, guys, I can't hype this enough, is the <laughs> bread and butter of this series. You live in the future. Oh like, like God, every dude. single time we talk about when this show. When you get to season four, you will understand what I've been talking about. No, I'm not blaming you. I'm just like, every time we talk about this show, you're like, ah, what's coming? I wonder how you'll be in season five. Will you constantly be looking back? Pro possibly. <laughs> <laughs> okay, you guys, remember to dream. Try. And do good. Motherfucker. Later, bro. Night.